Welcome in everybody to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. John Harris alongside the voice of the Texans, Mark Vanrier. Mark, good evening. Good evening, Johnny. All it's right. an exciting time of year. It is. Legal tampering is coming up and stories yeah. are breaking every day. It's fun. Yeah, it is very today actually, I'll be honest, it was kind of a slow day. I mean, yesterday was was the franchise tag deadline, and so there was obviously a lot that went with the Lamar Jackson situation that caught fire. <laughs> and it, it, it's been really interesting to see the reaction to the Lamar Jackson situation. Yes. And listen, it, the, I don't know at some point if owners have – whether it's NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, et cetera, there, there's been collusion by owners. It's been assessed mm -hmm. um, in the courts in many other areas. I, I just, with this collusion thing, I found it interesting, but I also see kind of both sides of things because I did find it interesting that, wait a second, within about 45 minutes, these five or six teams have already said, we're out. Like, they're not even going to do anything. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a second. That sounds very strange. And but why course, say that? I don't even I, understand why you declare that right off the bat. Okay, let me. Okay. Well, I mean, I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm wrong in this, but Atlanta last year went after Deshaun Watson. Yeah. And what happened to Matt Ryan? Uh, out. Yeah. Colts. Why? Because they were going to go after Deshaun Watson. And he was kind of upset about but that. But maybe they've fallen in love with Desmond Ritter. No, I'm, I'm not saying. I'm just saying the reaction to that was they went after, they publicly went after Deshaun Watson. They made a play for Deshaun Watson. And it short-circuited anything Matt Ryan would have had. Baker Mayfield, same thing. It was like, get me out of here. I'm going to keep this real simple. And we can diffuse this mm -hmm. right away. Are you ready for this? Go for it. All right. The, the collusion versus non-collusion, whatever is going mm -hmm. on with Lamar Jackson. How about this? What if it were Patrick Mahomes on the open market in the same way? All right. Franchise tag, mm -hmm. non-exclusive. That's mm -hmm. what it's called, right? Yep. Yeah. The same situation. Uh, there would be maybe 30 other teams going after Patrick yes. Mahomes right now. Absolutely. It's about Lamar Jackson. It has nothing to do with... Uh, I don't know what they're alleging here. They, meaning the media, mm -hmm. Mike Florio and all the rest of them. Right. It's about, yeah, that contract was ridiculous. I doubt there was a memo that said, nobody go after him. I doubt that happened. Right. But if you're a team that's looking for a, a franchise quarterback, you're treading carefully at the very least. And you might say, we're out. Because we know it's going to take X to well, get him. And we're not willing to pay X for Lamar Jackson based on his injury history That's recently. the biggest thing in all of this, Mark. When these teams were going after Deshaun last year, what was the one thing they all knew? Well, he's already got a contract. He's got a four-year deal that he signed with the Texans, so we're good to go. What nobody knew, for the most part, was that Deshaun wanted a new contract. Yeah. And the Browns were going to give it to him to get him to even consider Cleveland. Yeah. And so they went above and beyond. Nobody knew Deshaun wanted a fully guaranteed contract. And I don't even know that Deshaun wanted a fully guaranteed contract, but the Browns were like, what will get it done? And well, Mulugeta being a great agent was like, we'll give him a fully guaranteed contract. So when people bring in the Deshaun contract, it's, it, 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 it kind of upsets me because those teams went after him knowing what his contract was, what they yeah. didn't know. And what they found out was, eh, you're going to have to give him a new contract. Yeah. And they I wonder, that. well, let's say Cleveland never gets back into it because he said no to Cleveland right. just to get them out of the race and right. tell them goodbye. Thank you for playing. 
but they got back into the race with the guaranteed contract. Correct. What if they never come back to the table? Where does he end up? Which team does Watson end Falcons. up with? And how much is it for? It's Atlanta. Right. But it's not going to be $230 million guaranteed. Correct. Cleveland just went way beyond. That number probably came up as a total number, and then they said, well, screw it. Let's just guarantee right. it. We got our quarterback. Let's go. Absolutely. And the, it, it's created – my wife was asking me last night about it. She was like, I kind of get it, but I don't get it. And I said, well, here's the gist of it. Lamar Jackson's won an MVP. Sean Watson has not. Lamar Jackson has won games in the playoffs. Deshaun won only one. And uh, Lamar Jackson is thought to be one of the tremendous athletes of the position, which Deshaun has shown that. Oh, by the way, Deshaun had all these other cases, and Lamar didn't. The legal situation off the field, Lamar didn't. So it would make, it would reasonably, you could look at it and go, well, wait a second, then that guy deserves more money than that guy, right? Mm. But that's not the way this I, thing goes. I don't know, Johnny. Does he really? Because well, you mentioned playoffs. How many playoff games has he won? I'm just saying on the surface. How when many? You just, when you just look at that. Uno. Who? Lamar? Yeah. Yeah, I know. Same as Deshaun. Right. Same one. Yeah. Uh, he got the MVP. Right. Look, he's a hell of a player. But I got a big problem with the, with what happened the last couple of years. Sure. All right? Because now I'm wondering, well, wait a minute. Is he going to be able to stay healthy for me? Well, he's go. created a tremendous amount of doubt going into this period yeah, of negotiation. So I get it that there's major hesitation for the money. Look, Baltimore is not even stepping to the table to give him what he wants. Their own, his own team, right. his own family is not exactly abandoning him, but you know what I'm saying. Right. And I'm supposed to pick him up now? Those guys know more than and I do. And give up two first-round picks to do it? Yeah, exactly. It's not just the money. It's the right. draft capital, and I'm trying to build my team because look at the teams we're looking at here teams that would possibly mm -hmm. go for him it's carolina it's atlanta the, right so commanders the commanders they still have work to do to yeah. build their squads and they're going to give up draft capital look you get a hell of a quarterback in the process and i get it and i'd love to have lamar jackson people are saying why not houston texans have a lot of work to do in yeah. addition to the quarterback position i just don't think it's the right time maybe next year you could do something like that maybe but it's not the right time i don't know that that all the, the pieces are are in play. If you get a young quarterback, a rookie quarterback, that guy can grow up with the talent that's here. And I, quite honestly, and, and I've been one of Lamar's biggest supporters for years. Yeah, I've been great. one of his biggest supporters for years. I've stood up and said, no, I think he throws it better than people think. But in all honesty, the last couple of years, he hasn't thrown it exceptionally well. And he's missed both ends of the season of 21 and 22. So when you bring all that into the equation it really really complicates it but to me and it's funny because I, I i think about this a lot and you just mentioned it his team offered him a certain amount that's what they offered him that's what they thought now could they move in one direction and in a higher direction could be could they be convinced at 15 to 20 million dollars more guaranteed potentially yeah I, I could see that i don't even think the deshaun watson contract is the one that to me that is the one that Lamar should be looking at because that was such an outlier for a number of reasons. Not, I shouldn't say Lamar. Lamar should look and try and get as much money as possible. So him turning down those those offers, I get it. But the deal they should look at is Kyler Murray's Ooh. because Kyler Murray ended up getting what 165 million guaranteed, and something the total like that. was a little bit more it was than what just over 230. Now that to me is a contract I look at and say, "Hey Ravens, this." Yeah. 
give me 10 million more guaranteed and 175, 180 million, million guaranteed and give me 235 million overall for how many ever years you want to do it and let's rock. He might not go for it. I, heard I mean, may not. I don't, I don't know. I'm just throwing it out there. I heard somebody talking about how, well, the Ravens just don't have much, right? That's why he underperformed, you know, while he was healthy. And I'm thinking, well, oh, wait stop, a minute. They stop. made the playoffs with Huntley, and who was the third stringer that played for them? They obviously found a path to the playoffs without Lamar right. Jackson. The year before, they lost a lot of close games. Mm-hmm. I would love to see, because I think highly of Lamar Jackson. I, I think do. Lamar Jackson's got tremendous yep. game. I've the, said this before. The three of us, add Dre into this, the three of us are like charter yeah. members of the Lamar Jackson fan he's, club. Like We've been on that guy and, and know what he can do. He's really entertaining. I love watching him play football. I think if he was healthy the last couple of years, this is certainly a playoff team. Well, they were anyway with him injured last year, but they're going around at least one of those two years, at least around. And who knows what else because he can magically win games. The problem is if I'm an employer, I'm thinking, "Uh, is he going to stay healthy? I got to pay all this money. It's got to be guaranteed. I get it. And I get it from Jackson's side too. Watson got all this money. I should be better than right. Deshaun Watson Absolutely. or more valuable anyway to a squad. But the injuries create doubt. I'm sorry. It's a fact. Uh, somebody else said that uh, I heard on one of the shows, uh, oh, well, Watson got hurt too. I'm thinking, yeah, he got hurt his rookie year. Okay. Yeah. And I'm not sitting here defending Deshaun Watson. But the fact is he got banged up but stayed mm-hmm. on the field in 18 and 19 and 20. And so the last we saw of him, he never got hurt, right? right? In the yeah. last three full seasons. Now, you can debate how effective in 2020 led the league in passing, but they didn't score points, whatever. But he stayed out there. So that, if you're making an offer, that's a little bit more valuable than a guy who's exited the last two campaigns, injured, unable to come back, and his team suffered for it. And it's been widely known that, Lamar wants a contract that's in line with Deshaun Watson's. So as teams look at that and they know that he's available, they're like, we don't have that. And here's the other thing, too, with a guaranteed contract. Now, NFL owners have a lot of money, but as soon as you guarantee him whatever money, say you guarantee Lamar Jackson $195 million, Mm -hmm. you have to take that cash and go put it in escrow immediately. That money has to go in escrow right now. It's not like, well, Ooh. we'll make that money over the years. You have to have that money available wow. at that particular because moment. Because it's guaranteed? Because it's guaranteed. So when Jimmy really? Haslam, yes, when Jimmy Haslam signed a deal that Andrew Barry made with David Mulligetta, $230 million had to go right into the uh, escrow. Does it earn, earn interest in escrow? I'm not sure. Can you Maybe. invest it? You can't invest it because you, you might lose it. Yeah, because, yeah, you have to have that guaranteed yeah. money in there. And I think it obviously goes down by per the contract. But you know that guaranteed money? I bought crypto with it and we're out. <laughs> Sorry. Can't access it. Yeah. Sorry. I it, it's it's just more it's more complex than people want to make it out. Because I totally understand Lamar asking for a significant amount of money. I totally get it. I mean, after being a league MVP in, in nineteen, leading his team to fourteen and two and doing what he's done for Baltimore, I get it. But I also see the other side of this, which is I'm a, I'm another I'm a different team. Sam Sam the Commanders, and they don't know what their quarterback situation is going to be. And I'll get to my one sticking point with all this. But they know Lamar Jackson wants a contract on par with Deshaun Watson, and the Commanders are like we're not we can't do that. We can't do right. that. Now, if I'm one of those teams, I don't know that I I would have gone up there and pounded my chest and said we're not doing this and you look you know self-sanctimonious or whatever but i would have kicked the tires on it i would have i would have had who do i know that knows lamar 
can I get to Lamar? Because you're not talking to an agent. You're talking to Lamar and his mother. That's okay. who you're dealing with. Let's Okay, let's address that. That's it right there. It's the lack of an agent. It's a big problem. An agent is good at setting the market, right? Mm -hmm. Even the Garoppolo story from yesterday about the Texans and Garoppolo's name allegedly reportedly whatever yeah, floating, floating around in the, the building floating through the air of the building but what does that do that tells whoever else uh oh there's interest in jimmy right. g it sets or creates mm -hmm. a market for jimmy g i guarantee that leak did not come from this building why would they leak that here yeah, yeah, if yeah. they were interested right right why would they leak that they don't want anybody else to know if that's right. the case right that's coming from an agent or somewhere else where they want to set a market for jimmy g create demand etc the Lamar Jackson, you assume there's demand, but with Lamar being his own agent, it gets difficult. You need a plan, a team. You need people to figure this stuff out. Strategy involved as you approach this time. Richard Sherman tweeted earlier today, this Lamar Jackson situation needs to get more attention. Teams would rather lose or employ worse players than pay a former MVP in his prime. Can you imagine Burroughs, it's Burrow, yeah. getting a non-exclusive tag and, there's being, and there being no interest? It's insane. Yeah, I can't imagine that. But what what is but it? But it's not that there's it's no not racism or something like that. It's it's injuryism. It's healthism. I'm worried it's that he's getting from get a team that made a major mistake in giving a 230 million dollar contract to a guy. Yeah, and then you have to restructure the next year. But Burrow, look, I know Burrow got hurt his rookie year, but he's been healthy the last couple of years and you've had good runs. That it is what have you done for me lately? Maybe it makes no medical or scientific sense whatsoever, but I understand it. This is sports. Yeah, and that to me is the 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 aspect here of I could see those teams having interest, but maybe they talk to an agent at the combine. Well, how, what are they, they're going to have to call Lamar on the phone. Or, hey, this is the commanders. Are you, or would you be interested in us? Well, what's the money? Well, we can only do this. And Lamar's like, well, I've said I want this kind of contract. I mean, maybe these teams already just know that they're out because they can't, they deal, can't with deal with it. They can't afford it. And they think that deal that Deshaun signed was stupid anyways. Listen, the the relationship that they started to form in Baltimore with Lamar, with the fans, the organization, is really precious. It's right. special. Right. And they couldn't get this done. Now, maybe yeah. they're really lowballing him. Maybe they don't like him. I don't know. But it's weird that they were unable to get a deal done. And, you know, who to blame? I blame both parties. Is there a way to get it done? You know, usually it's a yeah. combination of things when you're unable to come to the table, find common ground, and make an agreement when you should be able to play in that city basically forever as an NFL player. He should be a Baltimore Raven. Yeah, I mean, for, for, for life. For life. Yes. He absolutely should be there for life. Now, this is, this is the hard part, and I'm going to say something really strange. From an organizational standpoint, I think the Ravens are going about this the absolute 100% right way. For where they are right now. Right. Because they, if they get locked into a $230 million contract. Now, I think it would have been a little different if Deshaun would have come back on the field this year and all of a sudden he just lights it up. And you're like, wait a second. Now, instead, now, he might light it up in 23 and 24 and beyond. And okay. But what we know right now is he did not look good in 2022. And there were a lot of people that looked at a contract, that contract and went, I would, I would not do that. I would not do that for a quarterback. Look at what Mahomes got. I mean, the flip side is teams looking at, hey, yeah, he got 10 years and 500 million, but he's underpaid right now.
Yep. In comparison to what some of these guys are doing. They'll straighten that it's out. It's just they will, I would imagine, at some point. But I think the Ravens are playing this right because they're essentially saying to Lamar, look, go assess your value out there. Go find out what your value is. And then come back. And we can match it. So if you go out there and you find something that's better than what we can offer you, then we're going we're gonna to hug you, we're going to hug your neck, and you're going to move on. And we're going to get our two first-round picks coming back this way, and then we'll have to be in the market for finding a quarterback. And it might burn us. It might burn us. But we're gonna, that's the way we're going to do it because we – and it's – with the non-exclusive tag, it's – I want to say it's almost easy, but it's easier to know exactly what the market is for that player because you've seen what everybody else is going to offer him. It's not just you bidding against you. I wonder why they came out with those statements or why they leaked that in certain cases. But to me, I'm a little surprised that no one's grabbing this. No one's no one's trying the way you would think they would try. The effort put in because he is available and he is worthwhile. There's no yeah. doubt. But you got to be able to part with the draft capital and all that. Cleveland obviously thought it was worth it with Watson. So far, it's not working out so well, but it's only been a few games. It's been six games. Johnny, what about... Burrow and Herbert, because this is the year you would think they'd go mm -hmm. long term yep. heading into year four. And those guys are watching this with great interest. Absolutely. And when will we see a two hundred thirty million dollar guaranteed contract? By the way, I hate talking about contracts, but I know it's just no, a no, thing. No. When are we going to see this? Is it going to be this year? Will one of those guys get it from their own franchise? I don't think so. But I think within a year or two, we're going to see another two thirty out there. We I, are. We're going to just going to happen. We're going to see a two. We're going to see a two. That's we're going to see sure. a two. And the cap goes up. I was just speaking to a, a group today, oil and, oil and gas group at the Houston club. And they were asking me about the cap and everything. And I said, mm -hmm. cap goes up, you know, yeah. league revenue goes up, went down with the COVID situation, right. goes back up revenue coming in. It's flowing. It's a percentage. That's how they negotiated it with the union. It's a thing. And you are going to see that big, yeah, yeah. big Brinks truck pulled up to the house of Herbert or Burrow or maybe Lamar Jackson when this is all said and done. I mean, when a couple in a couple of years, we're going to look at what Kyler Murray got and went, man, that was kind of cheap in yeah. some sense. Yeah. And I didn't I honestly didn't think Kyler Murray deserved the contract. Yeah. I would have let him play, you know, uh, Call of Duty or whatever he plays. L leave him over there. He's not do he's he hadn't deserve. He didn't deserve that contract. However, here's the thing. As it pertains to contracts, you have a quarterback. You got to give him an opportunity, and because of the way the CBA is structured, you got three years. Well, mm -hmm. Kyler had just shown enough to say, "Hey, I'm the Cardinals' quarterback for the next however long. I need my contract." And he went about it, and you know, not following them or unfollowing them on Twitter and unfollowing them on Instagram and taking all the ways Cardinals pictures and all that. I, that was kind of childish. Um, but I guess that's what we do nowadays is we unfollow or I don't know, whatever. But the point being, I didn't think he deserved that contract. But that to me is the one I would look at and say, this is the one. Because I think that guaranteed money was like $165 million. Right. I think Lamar deserves more than that. And I think there are ways that you can get around this in some way. I think it would be really dicey to give Lamar anything more than a, f a four or five year deal. But if you gave Lamar a six year deal, let's say, I don't know, um, 250, and then you guaranteed him 15 to 17 more than what Kyler got. Would he go for that? I don't know. Um, you know, who's advising him on what he should take and what he shouldn't take? I don't know. I that, mean, that's the thing. Who's advising him? And who the other lets thing him know whether that's a good market deal or that's not or what. But 
I, the thing is, he's got to get something because he's got to be able to go back to the Ravens and say, okay, well, the, I don't know, use the Bengals. I know the Bengals won't do it, but the Bengals offered me this. And the Ravens are like, hmm, what can we do with this? Does this look like a good value? How is that? Somebody else has set the market for Lamar. Are we cool with that? Can we, can we give him an offer sheet that's better than that? And he comes back to the Ravens. That, to me, is where the Ravens did the right thing because they're allowing everybody else to set the market. Now, somebody may set it in a crazy way, but then they're on the hook for it. Like, okay, mm-hmm. but do you have the two picks? So I think the teams that were, you know, we're out, we're out, we're out. We'll see. We'll see. I mean, they, I think when they take into account, they got to give up two first-round picks. All that money's got to be in escrow. Lamar wants a contract at the Deshaun Watson level. Are they comfortable with giving him that? And though, by the way, the last couple of years, he's been hurt at the end of the year. Ooh, that's a big thing to me. Like I've mentioned. And the other thing is the owners, I get it that they don't want a league where you have so much. There is a lot of dead money out there, Yeah, yeah but yeah. there's not a lot of, Bobby Bonilla type money out yeah. there, right? Yeah, right? Where you just gave up everything, like uh, the GNP of a small South American country for a player, and you got to pay it off till the end of right. time. They want to avoid those kinds of things. But in sports, look, with the Watson deal, I remember when Magic Johnson signed something like a $25 million deal in the 80s, and yeah. it was astronomical. You couldn't believe how much money $25 million for 25 years. And it was, what? It was yeah. crazy money. Mm-hmm. It was absolutely insane. But now that's you know minimum wage or whatever in the NBA. Yes, yeah. less. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, yeah. yeah what's the minimum contract in the NBA now? I don't. It's crazy. It's over a million, I believe. Yeah, it's well, I could be, be wrong and all that. Be, but yeah. I just think, I think this situation is a whole heck of a lot more complicated than people want to make it out. It is. And when you throw in the Deshaun situation into it, it complicates it that much more because obviously Lamar has said, or through his people, or through somebody the organization, whomever, that he does want a contract on par. And here's the thing. Maybe that's not right. And maybe these teams would find it out. Maybe Lamar has to kind of go on a, uh, what's that, what's it called when you, a uh, barnstorming tour? Yeah. And calling teams and saying, look, I'm available. I'm coming in. Let's here's, talk. Here's, let, let's talk about this because what you've heard isn't quite true. Let's talk and see whether we could do this. Who knows? Maybe that's, maybe that's the kind of stance he has to take. That's what an agent would do. Yeah. So him acting as his own agent is probably going to have to do that for himself. Minimum so. salary in the NBA over $1 million. If you have one year of full experience, $1.63 million. Wow. Nice. Boy, that's good work if you can get it. Uh, I'm going home to kick Vanderkid's butt and have him work <laughs> on his jump shot. Having hang from the bars and see if he can extend. And all of a sudden he wakes up, he's 6'8 in the morning. There it is. Uh, speaking of there it is, Bobby Slowick. Matt Burke and Frank Ross met with the media, of, Mar- of which Mark and I are members. They spoke about a number of things. We'll do a little Texans audio jukebox coordinator style next right here on Texans All Access. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I am John Harris, your host. Top for a little Texans audio jukebox. Three coordinators went to the podium today to discuss all things in their world and I figured I'd go with the two we haven't heard from. We've heard from Frank. Maybe I'll save a couple of clips a little later in the week from Frank. Um, he was great, as usual. But we got a chance to hear from offensive coordinator Bobby Slowick and defensive coordinator Matt Burke. Start with Bobby Slowick on his quarterback philosophy. Yeah, well, you know, there's a lot that goes into that. It's not any one position. It's kind of the whole unit, how it all fits together. Um, 
you know, we kind of take a top-down view, but how we see everything working together is, uh, you know, we're, we're an offense built on precision. Um, everybody kind of working together in unison, on time, in rhythm. That's the starting point, but it's not any one given position. We see how it all fits. That word fit, massively important. How it fits. Now, sometimes the coach has to fit what he wants to do with what his quarterback can do, and sometimes the quarterback has to fit with what the offensive coordinator wants to do. So there you go, little Bobby Slowick on his quarterback philosophy. Uh, Then he discussed uh, the offensive coaching additions of Bill Lazor and Shane Day and the offensive identity of this team. Yeah, the uh, Bill Lazor and Shane Day for me are, are massive additions. You know, Shane, someone I really have a relationship with. I've spent a lot of time with. Uh, we were together for two years in San Francisco. We've talked a lot since then. He knows what I'm trying to do as far as scheme goes. Um, we can speak the same language as far as f- football terminology goes. Um, and, and it's just it's helpful to have someone with you that you can kind of leave the room and you know what you're saying is being repeated in the same way you say it. Um, so I'm really excited to get back to work with Shane. And the Bill is someone that really – I know he's been around. I heard his name. Uh, He's been in the NFL a long time. He's coached a really long time. Um, And I had a lot of conversations with him before he came here. And, you know, we just kind of, we got a bond and a connection and a relationship. And he's called plays before. Um, He's installed schemes before. He's done it all. And he's done it in many different ways. And just even since he's been here, it's been really exciting to to be able to talk um, and have someone who's gone through it before can kind of eliminate the speed bumps get you over them that much faster so those two are going to be really helpful and then as far as our scheme you know a lot of the scheme is you have a system you have a philosophy Um, and for us at the Texans it kind of is a whole team it's not just one specific side of the ball you know D'Amico always says swarm that applies offense also everything we want starts with are we fast are we physical are we tough Um, and that, again, is when you turn on the tape of our offense, that's what you want to see. That should be the first thing that jumps out to you. Uh, and then outside of that, a lot of our scheme fits our players. You know, now how exactly that's structured is, is independent of each organization and each unit. But we're always going to work around who we have. And we're going to make sure that what they excel at, we put on, on tape for them. And uh, we, we make sure that we showcase that. Now, the end of the 49ers season was not what they wanted. They lost Brock Purdy. They lost Josh Johnson, two quarterbacks. And they were unable to do anything offensively in the second half against the Eagles to even mount a comeback. And this is what Coach talked about. The end of the season taught him about not only the quarterback position, but the entire roster. Yeah, I think it really helped us learn at every position how important depth is, you know, um, how important it is that you have more than one guy. You have people that you believe can come in. Uh, fill a role, kind of develop in, in what we believe and what we want to do going forward um, and, and step in and, and really not miss a beat, keep moving. And, again, it, this is kind of a top-down view, but we kind of view that everywhere. You know, not only at quarterback, we had some situations at running back. We had some situations at tackle. We had some situation at, at wide receiver uh, through our six years at San Francisco, and that, that really helped us solidify what we're looking for you know, specific things that we think can step in and fill a void when we have one and, and really kind of not miss a beat. 
Of course, the general had to get a couple of his questions in for Bobby Slowick, and one that he mentioned was he's had a chance to talk to Kyle Shanahan, and Kyle Shanahan had some pretty impressive things to say about Bobby Slowick. John relayed those to Coach, and here's what Coach had to say about all of that. That means a lot to me. Um, you know, I, I kind of got in the NFL from Mike Shanahan. My dad was a coach. He was a coach for a long time in the NFL, still coaches, loves it. So I kind of grew up around the game, but I didn't really get a shot to, to coach as a career until Mike Shanahan kind of brought me in. And that went then to Kyle. And I had been on defense for a long time. And Kyle had always wanted me to come to offense. And then eventually he convinced me to, to pull the trigger and, and jump over the other side of the ball. And um, the amount of learning I went through, the growth, uh, how much he helped bring me along, how much he challenged me. I mean, it, it was not easy in the right way. It was not easy to work for him. And, and you grow. Like, you grow. You learn a lot. And you become a better coach. You become a better person. Um, and I can't, I can't tell you how thankful I am to, to the Shanahan family uh, for allowing that to happen and, and really bringing me up and, and letting me do that. And then as far as last year is concerned, you know, we, every year as a team, as a scheme, um, you wind up evolving and growing as the year goes. And Kyle really had, he had a belief that it, it always is evolving, always. It never stops. And that's through the off-season. That's through in-season as well. And last year, the way our team gelled, our coaching staff gelled, and, and it took a little while. We had a lot of new faces on our coaching staff last year. And once, once it started rolling, um, you know, we were able to take the offense and our, the team in a lot of different cool directions that we really hadn't done before. So it was really, really exciting. You heard Coach mention his dad, who was defense coordinator for the Green Bay Packers, which is why – Coach Sloak went to high school in Wisconsin. Here he is talking about the impact of coaching with his dad and the impact his dad had on him as a coach. Yeah, no, a, a lot. I mean, as as you can imagine, my father, he instilled a lot of values in me, um, starting with faith, then the family, then the football. We believe that very, very strongly, um, always in that order. And, you know, he, he was a phenomenal, phenomenal teacher, and he is to that to this day. And... I would say that's one of the things he was most proud of in coaching and what he enjoyed doing the most was just teaching men, allowing them to develop as players, develop as people uh, in and out of the game. And to watch that interaction, you know, I was fortunate enough to be in the same position room as him for my first two years in the NFL and just to watch how he did it. And a lot of times how similar we, we were and then in many other aspects how different we were um, was a really, really neat experience. I've often thought what it would have been like to coach with my dad. It would have been pretty volatile. I know that. But uh, it would have been that same rewarding experience and a neat experience, as Coach mentioned, no doubt. Now, in between jobs, Coach Slowick actually worked at PFF. Drew Doherty asked Coach about that particular situation. Here we go. Yeah, no, that was that was definitely unique. I don't think there's many coaches um, that kind of went that direction. But I, I learned a lot in my time there. They have phenomenal people at Pro Football Focus. Um, they do things a very certain way, and they try to almost take what I was used to watching as far as 
subjectivity and objectivity and and they flipped it on its head and i learned a lot like there's there's many different ways to look at the game there's many different ways to break it down a lot of different angles you can take as far as how you splice it up so it was it was beneficial to me just kind of getting a different vantage point i always think different versions of information is helpful um, and it kind of helps shape who you are as a coach and as a person and we'll close with this one from coach on Meeting D'Amico and growing that relationship out in San Francisco. Yeah, when I first met him, I mean, I didn't, I didn't know him at any level. We had never had a conversation. So, you know, we first got in the room together, and uh, I knew who he was as a player. You know, I remember when he was in Alabama. I remember when he was here in Houston, and then when he went to Philadelphia, and I always thought he, I respected him a great deal as a football player. Um, but I was not sure what I was going to get when we actually – started a conversation then immediately you start talking to him and you just feel energy you know you feel juice you feel the guy who's just excited to be there excited to live excited to to be a part of something where there's competition at stake you know uh, and that really inspires you and as you talk to him more you start to realize that we have very very similar values we have very very similar football um, opinions and outlooks as far as how we see the game uh, and kind of how we approach the game, how we approach teaching. And that's kind of where it started to take off as far as the relationship goes, is, is we had a lot of similarities. And, and it was really fun going back and forth because, uh, you know, we were in a room together. The coach, the linebacker coach, Johnny Holland, uh, was D'Amico's, I, I would call him mentor as far as a coach when he was here in Houston and same developing as a coach on defense and he did the same for me so all three of us together it was a really fun experience all right we get back we'll hear from matt burke to close up the show right here on a wednesday edition of texas all access stay right where you are we go a final segment of this edition of texas all access from the Hyundai texans radio studio i'm your host john harris football analyst all reporter glad to be with you to finish it up a couple of news items the texans made official today oh i love this i love this for many many reasons they have added a quarterback Quarterback by the name of E.J. Perry, who was with the Jaguars, an incredible athlete. He had been at Boston College, and then he finished his career at, that's right, my alma mater, Brown University. E.J. Perry added to the quarterback room with the Houston Texans. So we now have Davis Mills and E.J. Perry, and we'll see what else is added in due time. Also, now this one has not been made official, just seen this um, I think Aaron Wilson was the first one to report this, and he obviously has got a lot of sources, agents, etc. But the Texans have agreed to a deal with Scott Quesenberry, who started 16 games. Is that right? 16 games. Because, yeah, I missed one. Yeah, 16 games uh, in the 2022 season. So Scott Quesenberry back as well. Now, that has not been made official, but E.J. Perry's official. Scott Quesenberry, um, and pretty much if Aaron has tweeted it, and put it out there, it's pretty much uh, you can lock that in. Now, let's lock in to Matt Burke, new defensive coordinator, came from the Arizona Cardinals, and he's got a pretty interesting background. First of all, Ivy Leaguer, E.J. Perry, Brown University, Matt Burke, Dartmouth University, John Harris, Brown University. So we got a lot of Ivy Leaguers going on right here. Well, last year he was with the Arizona Cardinals. He was defensive line coach there, and he chance to coach J.J. What And, of course, he was going to be asked about this and the viral video that Matt was instrumental in putting together for J.J.'s retirement. Spent the year with Jay, and then when, when obviously the news came out about, you know, him kind of hanging him up and, and what he wanted to do, you know, 
I got close to him in, the, in the, the short time I was with him in the year I was there. And, you know, I just, I said I felt responsible for sort of shepherding him out the right way and, and wanted to do something special for him. So um, just getting to know Jay over that time, I mean, he's got all the accolades. You guys know as well as I do all the stuff that he's accomplished and what he's been through. But, um, you know, getting to know Jay was about the people for him and the connections that he made through his time. And, people that covered him. You guys had the opportunity, some of you, to do that and played with and played against and competed against and stuff. So I just thought, like, that would be a cool sort of message for him to, to send out to. So um, I don't know. I hope I hope he's thankful for that. You know, I think it sounds like he is. And, and uh, it was just it was a cool opportunity. I mean, you don't get a lot. I've been in this league 20 years now. You don't get a lot of opportunities to work with guys like that and at that level of player and in, in that time frame of his career and stuff. So it was kind of a, it was a cool experience for me for sure. Man, I can't wait to see 99 back in the building. And now he's got his guy, Matt Burke. They only spent one year together in Arizona. But uh, you could tell on Hard Knocks, they had pretty good relationships. That was really, really cool. Now, Matt Burke comes to the Texans, never having coached with D'Amico Ryans. But they've been closely related in a lot of different ways, just never together. Here's Matt Burke's thoughts about being with D'Amico and the thoughts of the guys that are already here on defense. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you know, at the, at the starting point and through, through this hiring process, you know, I would just say, you know, D'Amico's vision and mine kind of lined up in terms of how we, we see defense being played and we want to be aggressive and, and an attack front. And, you know, I have a history in that front and obviously what D'Amico did in San Fran. So, you know, at the end of the day, my job's try to help him execute his vision for what he wants. Um, so when I think the attraction coming here, there's are, there's some pieces uh, on defense that we like that we're looking forward to working with, and uh, obviously still in the process of really getting to know those players. Um, they're just starting to come back and work out some of the guys who are kind of bumping into them around here. So, um, but I think just a foundationally like excited for some of the pieces that that think fit what we're looking to do. Um, but we're going to be an aggressive attack front um, and try to get these guys getting off the ball and and trying to dictate a little bit instead of being reactionary on defense. Now, right after Matt Burke was hired, or as at least put on the interwebs that he was being hired, I follow a Twitter account called Honest NFL, and he, he is a former NFL coach, there's no doubt. In fact, he had been with the Eagles, and he had been, I believe, with the Eagles when Jim Schwartz was there. Jim Schwartz is a defensive coordinator, and he's been head coach of the Lions, he's been defensive coordinator of the Bills, Eagles, Browns, I and mean, he's been around a little bit. That is Matt Burke's mentor, and that's really where the genesis of Matt Burke's defensive philosophy comes from. And that's closely related to D'Amico Ryan's defensive philosophy. But Coach Burke talked about Jim Schwartz being a mentor. Jim's been a, uh, a mentor to me, uh, really gave my start in the league and, and learned a lot from him. And I would say the foundation of what I do is, is based off what I learned from him. Um, and then, I yeah, we were apart for probably five, six years, and Really, for me, like just getting exposed to some other stuff there, you know, really in Cincy, kind of like the Zimmer system and, and what they were playing there, uh, moving to Miami with, with Vance and, and some of his cover stuff, you know, so you just you start taking all that stuff. Obviously, all of us have experiences and you try to learn from and grow from different places and different people. You're meeting different philosophies. Uh, I would just say personally, like probably my biggest, the biggest sort of change or growth for me in my career was moving to D-line. You know, I've been a linebacker coach for a long time and then the, the coordinator stint and then kind of came back and, and started coaching D-line and just from a different perspective and having to like relate to a different set of players and sort of look at things from a different lens really sort of for me changed uh, sort of just some, I don't know, my career path, but just sort of like that was the biggest growth I saw for me. I mean, I literally had to 
you know, that year, the year I made the, the move to, to D-line was in Philly in 2020, 2020, I think. Um, you know, we had a, it was Fletcher Cox and Brandon Graham, and, and, a, and it was a serious crew. Like, I had to get up to speed pretty quick and, and be able to go in front of the room and, and coach those guys and talk to them. So it was kind of a pretty big learning curve for me. So, um, honestly, and it sort of changed my last, like, four or five years of, of my career. So I would say that's kind of where I had the biggest growth of having to, like, completely change positions, get into a different room. And obviously I had familiarity with the scheme and, and front, but, like, having to coach those guys and detail that out really sort of changed for me. So now I had, like, a – a different lens on looking at, at the front. So um, I would say that's that's been a kind of a big sort of curve for me. And we're going to close with, as Mark Berman put it, a little out of the box. Coach Burke uh, is pretty well-rounded. I don't think there's any question about that. And he climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Take a listen. Oh, yeah, okay. So that was actually uh, – that was the same trip for me. So I actually um, had a former player, I guess Dylan Gandy, He's a te- Texas Tech guy, I think. Uh, so Dylan uh, played for us in Detroit, uh, and myself and one other coach went over. They, they were working on building a – helping to, to build and sort of start up a, basically an orphanage, a school system that had a hospital, whole thing uh, in Uganda. So I kind of went along with that, and then I stayed. Um, I did that for about a week. I was in Uganda uh, on site living at this little, uh, this little school, essentially, and helping to, like, build roads and do some stuff there. Uh, that was really started from Dylan and, 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 and kind of tied a couple of us in, which was really, really cool experience, like getting to be part of that and, and being there for that and sort of feel like you're contributing to something. Uh, yeah, and then I spent the next – flew to Tanzania and spent eight days there hiking uh, Kili. It was probably the, probably the most challenging, like, adventure I've done, I would say. It was uh, – I did like the, a different route. I, I did a six days to summit and then two days back down. Uh, so it was a pretty, it was a challenging uh, sort of eight day stretch for me, but uh, probably one of the, mo- the most challenging, but most rewarding sort of experience I've had uh, in all my adventures. It was, it was something. Oh man, it was something. Let's hope he climbs that Super Bowl mountain with the rest of the Texans this year. That would be really, really cool. Big thanks to Matt Burke, to Bobby Slowick. Uh, to all the media for great questions today, to Mark, to all of you for listening. We'll see you next time. And as always, go Texans.